From Toronto, Canada, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Hey, thanks for inviting me into your home, and I hope wherever you are, you're warm and safe and with the one you love. Albert, the intern, is here. Tim Spreen, my technical producer, is here. Now, listen, they're not the ones I love. That would be the mighty Aphrodite, of course. She's fast asleep. Don't get me wrong, I'm very fond of Albert and Tim. They do a great job. Tim is, uh, of course, our technical producer extraordinaire, and Albert takes care of the website, among other things, richardserrett.com, and he's posted some great stories in the highlight carousel this week. There's a link there uh, to sign the disclose, uh, disclosure petition. Uh, this is the, uh, the UFO disclosure uh, petition, uh, really the initiative of UFO disclosure advocate Stephen Bassett, and they need to gather 100,000 signatures by February 6th. That's fast approaching. The idea is to pressure the um, the president uh, or the Obama administration to hold real congressional hearings into the UFO ET issue. All you need to do is click on that slide, and it'll take you to the uh, the page where you can sign the petition, and you don't have to be a U.S. citizen. That's the disclosure. They need 100,000 signatures by Feb 6th. Again, that's posted on the highlight carousel at richardserrett.com. And while you're there, you may also want to check out a story. It looks like it came right out of the the, uh, the movie Rocket Man. Do you remember that? It's titled First Jetman. Jetman flies over Dubai Desert. A former fighter pilot and Guinness record holder known as Jetman has performed a new stunt taking over the skies of the United Arab Emirates. High-flying Swiss national Yves Rossi teamed up with a Dubai uh, gentleman flying above the wealth of its land. To fly alone is great, he said, but to fly with another guy is greater. Rossi, who is equipped with a pair of jet-propelled wings, said in a new 4K video before taking part in a formation flight with um, with a Hungarian acrobatics champion, Vera Zoltan, conquering the heights in a cloudless Dubai. And there's also a great story there about Yuri Geller, who uh, we're trying to get on the show, incidentally. A great story about a spoon-bending masterclass he recently held in England earlier this month. Again, all of these stories posted in the highlight carousel at the top of the page at richardserrett.com. Once again, happy to announce my special live event series, Follow the Truth is Back, Follow the Truth 2, featuring featuring some more amazing speakers. And again, takes place the evening Sunday, April 26th at the Region Theatre in Oshawa. And I'll be presenting more than a half dozen amazing speakers, including the Honorable Paul Hellyer, Canada's former Minister of Defence and Deputy Prime Minister, to talk about the money mafia. Rosemary Ellen Guiley will, perform, will be performing a live demonstration of her spirit box and will attempt to contact spirits in this beautiful old theatre. Canada's Edgar Casey, Dr. Douglas James Cottrell, media scientist and JFK assassination researcher Nelson Thal, will unpack the Zapruder film frame by frame. The Lost and Found Tribes of Israel with Miss Jane Steele, former co-host of Shock Talk with Bloom and Steele. Victor Vigiani will present the smoking gun documents which prove the government is aware of and concerned about the UFO ET reality and a special exhibit and presentation featuring an exact replica of the Holy Shroud of Turin, believed by millions of Christians to be the actual burial cloth of Christ. So, if you missed the first one, Follow the Truth Summit in November, don't miss this one. Follow the Truth Live, Region Theatre, Oshawa, Sunday, April 26th. For more details, visit followthetruth.tv and you can order your tickets by calling the box office 905-721-3399. Those are important numbers. Don't forget them. In fact, the next 45 minutes or so is all about numbers and numerology. I don't know about you, but I'm constantly followed by certain numbers. I'll give you an example. 1010. Uh, I, I think I've mentioned this on the air before. The mighty Aphrodite and I met at another radio station with the frequency 1010. And then my twin boys were born on October 10th. That's 1010. The first was born at 10 minutes past 10 in the morning. Another 1010. <clears throat> and I'll often look over at a clock. Has this happened to you, Albert? You look at a clock and it always it's the same number. For me, 1010. Whenever I look over at the clock, it's 1010. Anyway, I, I believe that, that numbers have a certain power or energy. And I believe, uh, that, like my next guest, that the language of the universe and its creator is numbers. And here's what my guest has written about the importance of numbers. Numerology, the study of the occult significance of numbers, is a science, much like astrology, that is completely dismissed by contemporary 
corporeal science, corporeal science. Numerology lies at the heart of gematria. And in the opinion of my next guest, without understanding numerology, one cannot possibly intuit the beauty and utter simplicity of mathematics. Mathematics is not merely quantitative, but qualitative as well. Numbers are not cold, dead, dry, arbitrary accidents of cosmic chaos, but the language and lifeblood of the creative force behind creation. Numbers, as understood by the Greek and Egyptians, are cosmological principles whose essence plays out and are revealed to us in the material world. Numbers contain within them an inherent message. Each number has a story to tell, and each of these stories pertain to the magnificence of the creation of our cosmos. But no matter how many stories are told, no matter how many infinite numbers unfold to weave the manifested matrix of all material creation, all divisions will ultimately lead back to the one philosophy that lies behind every true science and spirituality that has graced this blessed earth, and that is the incontrovertible fact that all is one. Those are the words of Marty Leeds, the author of three books, Pi and the English Alphabet, Volume 1, Volume 2, and The Peacock's Tales, The Alchemical Writings of Claudia Pavanos. His third book in the series, Pi and the English Alphabet, Volume 3, is slated for release sometime this year, and he has an ongoing lecturing series available, lecture series available for free on YouTube. Uh, we'll tell you about that lead later. He's the host of the podcast, The Marty Leeds Mathema- Mathemagical Radio Hour, discussing everything from myth, math, spirituality, philosophy, sacred geometry, lost civilizations, and the holy sciences. Marty Leeds, welcome to The Conspiracy Show. How are you? Good, how are you? Very well, thank you. Coming in loud and clear. i got to ask you uh, about the, the 33 that you use at the end of your name, in, for example, in, in your YouTube series, and I believe on your email as well. The significance of 33, I mean, that's a, a number familiar many of us, uh, you know, that we, we talk about uh, the Freemasons and so forth. Why 33? Uh, well, for me, it was just the, the year that I started doing all of this stuff, basically. I think my book came out when I was 32, 33, and so I have an affinity towards the number because of that. But, I mean, the number 33 is when you get into the philosophical exploration of numbers, you find that the number 33, especially like rep digits like 33 or 333, 111, these sorts of numbers will come up again and again. And they're kind of like, you know, what I call them is like vertices in the archetypal architecture of creation. They allow you to sort of navigate your way through and start to understand um, the grand architect's architecture. So um, that's kind of the best way I can explain 33. Well, there there are a number of sort of systems uh, when we're talking about numerology in the West. I guess we we, we sort of follow the, the, the Greeks, the ancient Greeks and Pythagoras, the Pythagorean. Is it called the Pythagorean screed where each letter is given a number, A is 1, B is 2, C is 3. Is that is that how it works? Yeah, it's been given a bunch of different names. Like in English, it's known as English Gematria or Gematria. It's known as Kabbalism. Um, you know, in, in some circles, it's basically just known as numerology. But um, yeah, so it's like many different cultures have had this sort of mathematical foundation behind languages. And there's something, something very mysterious and mystical going on with the relationship that numbers have with letters in all of these different languages. Well, let's explore that, uh, this relationship with, with numbers and, and letters. I mean, what possessed mm-hmm. someone like Pythagoras, for example, to a assign a number to a letter. Well, we're not even sure if he did or not. Actually, I just had a, a conversation this morning. Uh, I was a guest on 42 Minutes, and we were and we were covering Pythagoras. And one of the things that we covered was the fact that we don't even know. You know, there's there's question whether he was even a real man or not. You know, because there's all of this sort of lore and legends and things that are sort of grafted onto the stories of Pythagoras. You know, albeit like he was a uh, his, you know, he was born from an immaculate conception. He was considered a sun god. He had, you know, all of these sorts of things. So, um, you know, if there was a man named Pythagoras, um, you know, and then, then we look, it was, okay, well, why, why would he be compelled to do this? And I think the answer to that is that this is, this, this art, this, this scientific art is what we could call Gematria or Kabbalah has a long history. And we could say that pretty much, you know, it's probably survived prehistory. And as long as languages have been around, there's been an understanding that there's been mathematics attached to them. And even when we look at any sort of letter in any sort of language, what you're looking at is a geometric form, period. There's no question there. Every, every single, you know, letter that you see in, whether that's acrylic or Arabic or, you know, Aramaic or Latin or Greek or Hebrew or in, even into English, we see that these are formed 
with simple geometry, with simple strokes, arcs, and lines. And so right then and there, before you even get into the um, how mathematics or numbers themselves have a relationship to particular letters, you see that the symbols in and of themselves are created through geometry. And then we can get into the, the mathematical language that is geometry according to Right. You know, some intellectual heavyweights of, you know, history. Well, you, 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 um, you have a great quote here from Galileo, um, who says, The universe cannot be read until we have learnt the language and become familiar with the characters in which it is written. It is written in mathematical language, and the letters are triangles, circles, and other geometrical figures, which means it is humanly impossible to comprehend, or sorry, without which means it is humanly impossible to comprehend a single a word. Well, this would tend to suggest then that that uh, you know there was a great deal of thought in in uh, when when these you know letters were devised in order to give them what a, a sort of a hidden meaning or a, a, um, an encryption. Yes, and that really gets to the question of um, you know how our language is created, of which we don't really have an answer for. Many people assume that as I've, I've heard this a lot, especially with English, that it's sort of this like. Um, you know, cobbled together cowboy language or something like that, you know, that has just evolved throughout time with no sort of, um, intention or meaning behind it. And I mean, I would completely disagree with that, but we really don't know how languages are formed. Like we don't know who created the, you know, the Greek alphabet. We don't know who created Latin, you know, and we, you know, English is, is kind of late in the game. It's 1500, 1600s when we talk about the modern English alphabet. So we don't know who created that as well. Um, the thing that I, I try to do with the, the work that I'm engaged in is, is sort of look back and say, okay, since we don't, since we can prove that we don't know who created the alphabet, maybe we can go into the alphabet and see what it has to offer us and see if there is a pattern, an organization, a structure, a hidden meaning within that. And that's the work that I'm engaged in, what I tried to do. We already know for a fact with, it's unquestionable that Latin, uh, Greek and Hebrew you know, Arabic, all of these other languages for sure had a mathematics behind them. So it would just, you know, through logic and reason, it just, it lent me into the study of, hey, let's see if we can find some structure in English. All right, Marty, uh, stand, uh, Pat, when we come back, let's get into, uh, give us a crash course in, in sort of, as you call it, the crux of numerology, one to nine and decimal parity. How does this work? And, uh, and then we'll delve into the power of numbers. Marty Leeds, my guest, right here on The Conspiracy Show. Stay with us. Where there's smoke, there's The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio, AM 740. And we are back with Marty Leeds uh, discussing numerology. All right, give us a crash uh, course. You call it the crux of numerology, Marty. Um, the crux of numerology, you could you could really kind of hone it down to one principle being decimal. It's called decimal parity. It's got a bunch of different names: decimal parity, digital rooting, Kabbalistic reduction, Pythagorean addition, and basically what it is. And a lot of people are are, are kind of hip to this um, more so than maybe in the last like thirty years. But of basically breaking any number down to the numbers one through nine, with zero being a placeholder. And we'll get into this. But for instance, when you just walk up your number line zero, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Any number after nine, you can break down to these digits one through nine. So we get to 10, we can just reduce this down. One plus zero is one. 11, one plus one is two. 12, one plus two is three. Add infinitum, of course. So it doesn't really matter what number you look at, how complex or large the number is. Ultimately, by reducing down or using simple arithmetic, bringing these numbers together, we get to what we find that is the qualitative aspect of the number. So, um, and this is what's considered the, the crux of numerology. Now, why, why this ends up being like really important is that there's a deep philosophy here that we can actually find on your two hands, but also found within the, um, the expression of the, the holy number 10. Um, the Pythagorean Tetractus talked about the number 10. Of course, there's 10 commandments and you have, you know, 10 fingers on your hand. So when we use this numerological principle of digital rooting, what it does is breaks down the decimal system of zero being the placeholder or, um, you know, magnifier or, you know, symbol of power, if you will, because it's a magnifier of 10. You have zero, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. And that gives you 10 digits. So this is basically the, the base, the base of numerology. And this is a, a core function in just how the mathematics work in and of themselves. 
a lot of times numerology is is sort of like blown off because of well there's been a lot of perversion of people that have you know misinterpreted or misused numerology for their own means and ends and things but really when you look at numerology this is something that's innate and inherent in the mathematics and i think this is something that was widely understood by all of the great mathematicians of of uh, throughout history and in fact you're not really even doing true mathematics, true quantitative and qualitative mathematics, unless you bring in the study of numerology. And this really isn't that controversial considering the word numerology means numer means number and ology means comes from the word, of course, uh, logos, which is word of God or and where we get the word logic. And so numerology, the word is just saying that there's a number logic or logic to numbers. Well, of course there is, because this is where logic is actually derived. You mentioned the word of God, and going back to the Old Testament, and the book of Numbers, which, if you read it, is a very kind of peculiar uh, a book. You know, there's a lot of detail and information there and and uh, measurements and and um you know the weight of things and the number of things as the, the name of the book implies and and mm-hmm. one could walk away from that book saying well what the heck was that all about what what do you make of the book of numbers I, the, the same that I make of the whole book, you know, ultimately you're looking at a a, a deeply mystical, deeply symbolic mathematical treaty or text. That's ultimately what you're looking at. I mean, of course, the Bible has, just like all of these ancient holy books, in my opinion, but has, um, let me explain it this way. The, 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 story, the stories in the Bible are the central hub in the wheel, if you will. So we have the story that we're all focused on. And then in that story, there's a bunch of, there's a bunch of narratives that are going on. And all of those narratives become the spokes of the wheel, if you will. So one of those spokes is an astrotheological spoke. One is a philosophical. One is a psychological. One is a sacred geometric. One is a numeric, et cetera, et cetera. And so, the whole book to me is written that way. Now, ultimately, what, what you know, the claim that I'm making, but it, which is once again really not that controversial, since we know it happens in this other language, in all these other languages, that there's a mathematical foundation in, throughout that book, and to truly understand what's the the message that's being purveyed, you have to go and understand the mathematics first. And so this is why a lot of these stories end up being extremely cryptic and really trying to – it's hard to really get your hands around because really what they're doing is hiding this deep, esoteric, holy science really is what it is beneath those words. You know, And this is, of course, where we get read between the lines because you have to read between the story that's beneath the story. Uh, and, and do you subscribe to the, uh, the idea that, that there are Bible codes, that there are – yeah, within the passages of not only Numbers, but the five books of, of the Torah, that there are encrypted messages, perhaps placed there by the Creator himself. Well, when, you know, when we talk about, um, you know, the Creator itself, really what you're talking about when, when you hear of the lore or legend that books were written by, you know, the God himself or the gods themselves, really what you're talking about is people that have elevated themselves up to the status of apotheosis or people that had had Gnostic revelations. People that were connected so deeply to spirit that they were sort of allowing these things to kind of flow out of them, if you will. That's the, that's the best way that I can make sense of that. And so this, that's exactly what I think the books are, are basically these, the, you know, the, that there's hidden codes beneath there. And you know, once again, without elevating yourself as the book is intended to do, without elevating yourself to the, you know, to, to receive a Gnostic revelation, to have that mystical spirit, you're not really going to understand the deeper message is, Within, and we actually see this problem happening right now with the fact of the literalism that's taken with you know all of these different religions that we take these stories literally, and then you know the, the horrors that manifest from these things, you know, and this is an enormous problem. So, so uh, let's sort of connect the numbers with uh, the alphabet or, or certain words. Um, so, if a word it has a, a numerical value as well. What is what is the the power or the purpose of that? Uh, maybe you can give us an example uh, of a um, a word. Give us the numerical value, and then we can sort of explore that. Um, yes. Well, we can look at maybe we could look at. I don't, I don't know how much time we have, but maybe we could look at one very particular thing in in the Bible in pointing to the number twenty six. Um, in in the Hebraic, the Hebraic Tetragrammaton, which is, this is known as Yahweh or Jehovah or God, right? 
Right. Well, in Hebrew, this sums to, well, it's Hivav, Hiyad, it's 5, 6, 5, 10. This sums to 26. Of course, there's 26 letters of our English alphabet. Now, the, um, the, the, the two names of God that's given to us in the Holy Bible are Lord and God. Well, Lord is L-O-R-D. This is 2254. This equals 13. And God is G-O-D is 724. This equals 13. And so combining the two names of God that are given to us in the Holy Bible, in the English translation of the Holy Bible, we find Lord God equaling 26. Well, this is the name of Jehovah that we have in the Hebraic Tetragrammaton, right? Right. Well, right. What's what's really so we have twenty six letters of the English alphabet. Your tetragrammaton equals twenty six. Lord God equals twenty six. So what's what's important about twenty six? Well, what is God? God is of course Father Time, right? Father is the Father. The name Father is God. So basically, all of time, everything that in is in creation is God. That would make sense of the omnipotent, omniscient, and omnipresence of God because God is interpenetrating with all things through all things. This is where monotheism comes in. Monotheism is actually oneness and thea is, of course, well, theology, the study of God. So the oneness of the study of God. When we see this number 26, we actually find it in Saturn. Saturn is S-A-T-U-R-N. This is 617-651. And this equals 26. Well, Saturn is actually known as father time, right? Right, so right. this is where Kronos is Greece, where we get words like chronology and, and, you know, synchronize, things like that. So we have this planet that's attributed to time and it equals 26 as well, right? So we have all these numbers coming together and to see, you know, uh, you know, that all point to this one singular number, 26. Well, Scorpio in this cipher, Scorpio equals 26. Scorpio actually points to the center of our galaxy. Its tail in the constellation actually points to the center of our galaxy. So really what you have is this recognition that within one simple number, you can sort of tie all of these things together about what the, the deeper meaning of what they mean with why Saturn is time, what, you know, what, what God really is, where to find God is by heading through the, you know, heading to the center, center in and of itself. The word center in and of itself equals 26. So, to, to, the, the story comes from the numbers first because the numbers are homogenous. They're universal in nature, right? Every culture ever, every, that's ever existed on this planet uses the same number system. Now, they may you know, track time differently, like the Mayans track t- time differently than the Egyptians, but ultimately they're using the same numbers, they're using the same ratios, they're using the same mathematical constants when they build their cathedrals, temples, and things like that. So... The number 26 is something that's inherent within creation that's going to transcend all of these different cultures, and we can see that it points to, you know, once again, God. Now, the 26 letters of our English alphabet, alphabet comes from the AB, AB, which is Latin for father. So Ah, we have the tetragrammaton referring to father, right? Right. Referring to, you know, father time, et cetera, et cetera. So that's just kind of one way to explain the importance of like a number 26. That is, uh, that's fascinating. But uh, while you were talking about the number 26, um, I, my mind went to another number, which was 23. And I was remembering that Jim Carrey movie, The Number 23, came out I I just know, watched it again. seven or eight years ago. A kind yeah. of a psychological thriller. And, it, and uh, for those who haven't seen it, it's about you know, his obsession with the, the 23 enigma. And I mean, is, is that a work of fiction or is there an esoteric belief uh, in all these permutations of the number 23. No, that's, see, once again, this is something that is inherent in the mathematics. Again, like the, tw- the, the number 23 is actually, um, you, we can actually find this within the, the construction of the human temple and the human being. So when a man and woman come together, they each share 23 chromosomes, making 46 chromosomes to make the temple the human, you know, the vessel for the spirit to exist in. And that's created using chromosomes. Chroma means color course and soma is of the body and so of course where do we get color we get it from light it's the light of the body that's what a human being is so when we look at the number 23 we see that the the construction of the the, the temple you know as, as as bill donahue said that god dwells in a temple not made by the hands of man and the only temple not made by the hands of man is the ones on the side of your foreheads the word temple actually equals 23 aha this so this number 23 is directly referring to the human being and the construction of the human being. Now, the, the number 23, you know, circle, heaven, temple, beauty, occult, natural, all of these words equal, you know, 23. And so we see a direct connection to the number of chromosomes, 
and um, this number of heaven. You know, so we we can actually see that. You know there, that there's when when you know we hear of religious traditions say, well, the kingdom of heaven resides in you, and you understand that mathematically, that's absolutely true. Then you start to realize that there's something much more deeper than going on than relegating heaven to a place up in the he- you know in the stars that is unreachable by the hand of man until after you die. No, it's something that's within every single human being. Now I don't sense. You, you you threw something out there that's uh, I'd love to you know delve into i don't know if we have time <laughs> it would you know it took uh, thousands of years for example you know to, to to write the bible do we have time to talk about the idea that mathematically you you can you can prove that heaven resides within us can we explore that a little bit or would that take well just kind of like what you know what we were just saying about you know when we look at the the, the numbers first, when we realize that math, you know as Galileo said that mathematics is a language of creation, and that the and so in order to really understand the Creator and His creation, we have to go to the language in which it used to create things. So therefore, once again, the number twenty three, especially in uh, you know especially in English gematria, of course, but this number twenty three is something that's um, inherent within. The human being and the makeup of the human being. So therefore, that number in and of itself has a certain importance. Um, when, if, if we look at the philosophy behind this, this kind of gets away from the numbers a little bit. But when we look at the philosophy of the kingdom of heaven resides in you, right, or um, on earth as it is in heaven, right, right. Um, that which is in the stars is also on the earth, that which on the earth is also in the stars. What's, there's a there's – a, there's an Australian elder, uh, Aboriginal, that said everything under creation is represented in the soil and in the stars. Everything has two witnesses, one on earth and one in the sky. Everything is represented in the ground and in the sky. Basically, all of these philosophies that are that are shared all over the world are basically saying that everything that's up in the heavens is a perception of what's created in the human vessel. If you will, so this is a hologram. It's a it's an illusion. It's a perception. It's a matrix. It's, it's a simulation. It's it's um well Maya in Hindu means illusion. The Mayan people it means illusion. That this material world is an illusion and it's a reflection of the heavens. So when we look out and we cast heaven upon the, the stars and into the stars, really what we're doing by looking out is actually simultaneously looking in. And this is what this philosophy sort of encapsulates and, and all of these religions encapsulate this philosophy, you know, and we can find this. And so the idea of the, where, where does heaven exist? Is it out there or is it within us? Well, if we come to understand that, that creation is actually built with the, the, the reflection or perception of man, then we realize that no, heaven is everywhere around us, that heaven and earth are unified. They're one. They're, they're, they're without one. You can't have the other, if you will, if you know what I'm saying. How did you get into this, Marty? How did you become so fascinated with, with numbers? Um, just what, just kind of pursuing an answer over the years. You know, just kind of feeling lost in the world. <laughs> and, you know, I've seen a lot of the turmoil and strife and, and pain and things like that in the world and then trying to make sense of the world around me and then letting that investigation lead me and not my own wacky theories or whatever lead the investigation. And if you do, you know, if you undergo this investigation, you go with an open heart, uh, you know, a noble spirit or whatever, and you go with, you know, earnestly looking for a truth then that's going to lead you wherever you need to go. And, of course, anyone that really does this is going to end up leading to mathematics because, once again, as we were saying, you know, there, you know, there is a creator being creative with creation, and he's building this creation using this mathematical language. And so ultimately, if you're looking for that truth, you're going to be led there. You know? the, now, I, I struggled with math all through my um, educational career. Um, mm-hmm. and continued, you know, uh, anything after long division, forget it. Did this give you, uh, we, I mean, were you strong in math before, or did it give you a new appreciation for math? Did you find yourself going back and sort of revisiting algebra and things like that and trying to figure out, you know, how uh, this might all connect? No, I was terrible at math, man. <laughs> I, seriously, I, I, was, I was never good at math. In fact, I think I got a C in college algebra. And how about now? And... And so, and now I would even say that I'm not, I mean, you know, I say this and this guy kind of gets a, the roll of the eyes with a lot of people, but like, I don't even consider myself a mathematician now in one way. Um, I, I just kind of, you know, just explored the subject. And I, when I explored it, I got to, I went to the fundamentals. Like I went to, I basically started learning it all over again. 
like I remember, uh, you know, I wrote in my journal, I was writing out multiplication tables. I was writing out tables of addition. You know, I was I'm like, doing that right now with my kids. Yeah. Listen, and, we got to take a, sorry, Marty, we got to oh, take sorry, a break. When ahead. we come back, we'll, uh, you know, maybe, maybe we're teaching math all wrong. Uh, we'll get into that. And I also want to find out what is going on with pi. Think about this. To date, computers have calculated over 10 trillion digits of pi. One of the most important numbers in mathematics. What does it mean? We'll get into that with Marty Leeds right here on The Conspiracy Show. Stay with us. Big Brother is listening, and so are you, to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio, AM 740. To speak with Richard, call 416-360-0740 or toll-free in Ontario at one 866 740 Four seven forty. Marty Leeds is with us, and we've hooked up to his website or linked up to it on uh, richardsarah.com. Just click on Marty's uh, name there, uh, and it'll take you to Marty Leeds. That's with two e. Marty Leeds thirty three dot com. Uh, I want to talk about pi here in a minute, Marty, but I, I want to ask you that question again about the way we teach mathematics in school. I mean, do you think uh, perhaps um, we're teaching math? the children all wrong and is is that perhaps by design yes i mean especially with common core now which is just horrific it's just the i mean there's there's a gazillion ways that you can teach somebody math better than what they're doing right now that's i mean that's for sure um the the one thing that that i always talk about with this the the understanding that i've come to with this subject is that we teach uh, even in the university setting basically we teach one way of looking at mathematics and that's a quantitative way of looking at mathematics but that's only one side of the coin the other side of the coin is the qualitative way and um so i, I think the fact that we've we, you know we've reduced once again numerology to like a pseudoscience or it's considered recreational math i think what we've done is sort of like cut off half of our understanding of this of of mathematics now it's really interesting that how many people have I've talked to, you know, spoken to on podcasts and things like that that have said that every time that they, you know, in school or whatever, they, they couldn't stand math. They were terrible at it. They just couldn't wrap their head around it. And yet when you teach a lot of this, these mathematical principles in, in a, a different way by looking at the symbolism, looking at the geometry, um, you know, understanding basic mathematical constants in creation, people start to get it a lot easier. And one of what I would say one of the, the, the easiest and most like, um, expedient ways to teach somebody math is actually through sacred geometry. And this is understanding, ba- once again, basic, fundamental philosophical scientific quantitative and qualitative principles using basic you know n- number and basic symbols and shapes and so um what what i do with with what i teach is i barely go past arithmetic really you know i square root some things i cube some things a little algebra here and there but b- besides basically add, add you know add subtract multiply multiply and divide excuse me um besides those basic you know, arithmetic principles. I don't really go beyond that. And I think that you can learn a whole lot just from that study in and of itself. Let's talk about pi. It's uh, it's an irrational, infinite, transcendental number, which means what? Everything, <laughs> to answer succinctly. Um, yeah, I mean, pi, to me, how, how I've come to understand it anyway, is that pi is a representation of the creation of our universe in one way. And that that's, this is what this is what pi represents in that in its geometry, in its unfolding nature, in its infinite nature, the fact that we can't see its tail, the fact that it starts with the the, the holy three, the holy trinity that we find in you know all of these different religions, and three point one four, three point one four, right? Exactly, right? Yeah, right. So three point one four, one five nine, et cetera, et cetera, starts with that holy three before the decimal place, and that, of course. Once again, we could go all over the world and, and, and find um, a glorification and exaltation of the three. We can look at it in the Trinacria, the Triskel, the Fleur de Lis, the Holy Trinity of the Judeo-Christian or Christian canon, of course. We can look at it in, you know, Shiva, Brahman and Vishnu in Hinduism. We can look at it as Isis, Osiris, Horus in Egypt. And so we have all of these. This is past, present, and future. This is the the, the preservation force, the destructive force, and the, and the you know creation force all merging into one. This is the three sides of a triangle becoming one. So pi, you know, to get back to your question, pi is sort of like this symbolic representation of all of these different principles that at, that are at work in in our universe and sort of encapsulate encapsulates them into one. What what I what I tried to 
you know, explore with Pi, at least in the last book, and you know, I hinted on it in this this next book that I'm working on, is that Pi is a representation of the creation of our universe, and that just by simple geometry, you can kind of understand the the beginnings of how our universe was formed and kind of what what unfolded geometrically after that. Are there, if you will. Are there, I mean, you mentioned that, that Pi has been encoded in temples all through e- Egypt and, and uh, the Great Pyramids of, of Giza. Uh, we've talked about that before on the show. But are there mm-hmm. words uh, that, that contain that, the, the numbers 3.14? Uh, is there a, you know, a letter representation? Uh, I don't know, does it, does it equate with vibrations? Um, well, there is, I mean, there's a couple different places we could go here. I mean, there is, for instance, um, pawn. Pawn, which a pawn in a chess is P-A-W-N. This is 3141. So in the game of chess, which is something I've covered in the second volume, and I've got a couple of videos on it, but in the game of chess, there's, there's two lunar, a solar, and a processional calendar, as well as multiple ways of obtaining pi through the the simple um, arrangement of the numbers that are attached to the characters of the game of chess. And so, for instance, like I was just saying, pawn is 3141, so we can see that the pawn is the most prevalent piece of the game, and yet it's saying pi, 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 pi. There's 16 pawns, of course, to a chessboard. So that's one example of, of, of you know what you're saying. My conversation with Marty Leeds as we discuss numerology right here on The Conspiracy Show. Don't go away. Big Brother is listening, and so are you, to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. To speak with Richard, call 416-360-0740. Welcome back. Marty Leeds stays with us. And again, his website is www.martyleeds, L-E-E-D-S, 33.com. Uh, so, we were talking about uh, pi, uh, mathematics, as you've written here, the language that uh, God wrote the universe in, uh, or that's Galileo, I guess, saying that, but th- that's what you're on about here. And, and um, I, I want to talk about um, vibration, and uh, if, if that's what Galileo was talking about, mathematics, you know, God using mathematics or God using vibration to create the universe. Yeah, and this actually this leads to pi. It, at least it, it led me to pi anyway. Um, when you look at a lot of the creation stories, have the idea that um, God emitted a sound, spoke a word, and therefore spoke it into creation. Um, number one, we have the, the you know the modern science of somatics, where it's basically understanding that geometric forms can arise from from sound. Uh, you know, and we see this, um, we can see this at certain frequencies or certain hertz that, you know, certain forms will arise and they're often, you know, symmetrical and that sort of thing. You can also destroy with vibration. We've seen, you know, glass, uh, the, if you can find the resonant frequency and so forth. Yeah, exactly. Well, uh, you know, and, and the creative force and destructive force are two poles on one ultimate movement, you know, so, um, of course, vibration can create just like there's dissonance and harmony in music, of course. So, um, when we look at, when we look at all these like different creation stories, like there's the Mayan story that it's, um, you know, it's, it's something to the effect, I'm paraphrasing here, but it's something to the effect of the word of the one was unlo- unloosed itself in stone-like silence and, and shuttered all of eternity, something like that. So you have this word that was spoken. And in Hinduism, you have this, you know, the vibratory essence that created all of creation being the Om, that sound. Uh, in the, in, of course, in the, the Holy Bible, you have God saying, let there be light. So God speaking light. In Latin, um, gramma means uh, letter and gamma means light. So you have the idea that the letters, of course, that are forming, that are forming words are also of light. Mm. So that, that's, you know, it's a really close correlation, of course, to what we see in the Bible. So, you know, so, you know, what does all this stuff have to do with Pi? Well, when we talk about a word of God, we have to ask the question, like, what language does God speak? What language is God speaking? Well, once again, according to guys like Kepler, who said, you know, uh, geometry existed before the creation. It is co-eternal with the mind of God. Galileo saying language, you know, mathematics is language of God. Then we have to say, okay, if God spoke a word, then God spoke a word. That word is a, is a mathematical word. It's, it's a word within the language of mathematics. Now, of course, w- you know, what I'm basically saying is that word is pi. And that word is, that's what pi represents, that the pi is actually the, 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 the lost word of masonry in one way. Hmm. You know, we, we hear about them, you know, 
here in Mabeuf and the lost Masonic word. Well, that lost word is, of course, the word of pi. And that we will see the geometry of pi, the numbers of pi, the, the elements attributed to pi, the, you know, all of that stuff play out in all of these different ways in creation. We can find it in chess. We can find, we can see pi as a mathematical representation of the symmetrical nature of your body, these sorts of things. And so that's ultimately what I believe they're saying when we talk about a word, because we have to go into the language of math to understand that word of God. If we were to ever, uh, I guess, solve pi, in other words, you know, uh, find the, the pattern, it goes on for tw- 10, is it 10 trillion digits after the decimal point, and they still haven't found the pattern? If we, if and when we were to discover the pattern, would that be sort of, I don't know, the, the, uh, the unified theory or whatever that, that Einstein was looking for? I mean, is, 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 is that, is pi is then the, the, the key to the universe, understanding the universe? You know, it's, it's, it's one, yeah, I mean, to, to me, it's one of the, the major cornerstones of, of understanding the universe because once again, you're understanding the the what do you want to say the mathematical matrix or template that the the universe created to create everything and so everything sort of moves through these templates of these major major mathematical ideas like phi and pi euler's formula things like this pi being of course one of the most important ones now when you said we're looking for a pattern in the universe right like pi, if we're looking for a pi, or we're looking for a pattern in pi. Well, pattern comes from the Latin word pater, and pater means father. So, <laughs> so when Amazing. we say we're looking for, yeah, we're looking for a pattern, we're looking for the father. Well, of course, once we take the literalism out of it, we don't, we realize that we're not talking about some male figure that's in the sky that's looking down upon us and judging us and things like that. What we're talking about is the pattern which creates the geometry of creation. So our father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name and thy kingdom come. Our father is our patterns, the patterns of the sky that came down to earth. Our patterns, our pattern, our father, our patterns who art in heaven. What is art? Art is a creative force. And that is why there's a creator being created with creation. That's why creativity is at the heart of creation. You're making me go, aha, a lot. Was there an aha moment for you when this all started to add up? No pun intended. Yeah, it, it happened with Pi. It was, you know, I, I mean, I, you know, I don't ask anybody to believe me when I say this. I don't really care if anyone believes me if I say this, but I had this sort of mystical moment, this Gnostic revelation or epiphany about pi one night and that is what and i had been working with it for you know i don't know how you know maybe six or nine months or something like that at, the, at that point but you know that i had this revelation with it and ever since then it's it's put me on this course of you know writing the books and doing the lectures and you know all the, everything that i'm doing so and ever since then there's been all of these sort of aha moments in fact all the aha moments have culminated into the books and culminated into you know the videos and that sort of thing you mentioned uh, uh you mentioned the freemasons uh and you also mentioned um geometry and I'm and I'm thinking about the, the the symbol we've all seen on many um, Masonic buildings, and that's the capital G, uh, which is sort of nestled in between a compass and a square. What is the significance of that? Um, that's that symbol. I actually did an entire video on just on that symbol alone. Um, it's like I think it's like half hour or something like forty minutes maybe. But there's there's just myriad things that we can draw just from that symbol alone. One of them being the um the symbolic elements to help us deconstruct or de you know decode the mathematics of the english alphabet to find the cipher to be able to decode the mathematics of our alphabet so that's one of the things and um one, one of the ways we we don't really have time to go through over it here but you know just to kind of you know go through this kind of quick when the, the compass creates a circle and the, the square creates a square, of course. So the compass and square merging together are the the, the merging of the squaring uh, the square and the circle. In sacred geometrical canon, the circle was known as heaven, square was known as earth, and these were given the distinctions, uh, numeric distinctions of three and four. So when we add three and four together, the merging of the square and the circle, the merging of the heaven and the earth, what we find is seven. Three plus four is seven. G, of course, being the seventh letter of our alphabet. And so the, you know, the, the cipher for the gematria for, of our English alphabet is encoded within that symbol. And the, and of course, the only way that you're going to understand that is if you understand, deeply understand and have investigated deeply the, the study of symbolism. 
and understand what the three and four is. And of course, when we look at symbolism, once again, that we started this conversation with, we're looking at the letters of our alphabet, we look at symbolism, ultimately what we're talking about is geometry. And that's why the, you know, the Freemasons revere, um, geometry so much, you know. What did Tesla mean, uh, when he said, you know, sort of behold the power of threes, sixes, and nines. If we can appreciate or understand the power of three, sixes, and nines, it, it, you know, it's a key to understanding the universe. Uh, what, what he was understanding is that when, when there, that there's a how do we want to say this? That, that there's a a way to penetrate mathematics, and it's and it's through simple numbers. You know, so three, six, and nine. When we look at the, the the canon of sacred geometry, when we look at number symbolism, they become really important. Um, three, of course, we just talked about. Six, three is a divide. You know, six is has a three as its divisor. Three is also divisor of nine. We can go into all of that. But one of the things that's important about what he's saying there is that we, I, I think that we tend to overcomplicate math. We 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 rest on equate. In fact, hold on. I've got a test. I got a Tesla quote right here. It says, "Today's scientists have substituted mathematics for experiments, and they wander off through equation after equation, and eventually build a structure which has no relation to reality." And so, what he's saying there is that we can understand so much through the simple principles of three, six, and nine, just through understanding number philosophy very simply. And yet, we're kind of convoluting it and making mathematics this. Um, we're overthinking it. You know, we're making it too difficult. Uh, we talk uh, on this program, we talk a lot about alternative energy. And uh, right now, of course, there's a lot of talk about zero-point energy. And the number that comes up in, conjun- in conjunction or connection with zero-point uh, has to do with 528 hertz. Now, I'm not a, a scientist, don't understand a lot of this, but uh, what, what, uh, what do you gather might be the connection between zero-point energy and 528 hertz? Is that anything there jump out at you? Yeah, I mean, I can't really speak too much on zero-point energy because I just don't know enough about it, and I think that there's a lot of conjecture with it, you know? Um, to be sure, a lot of people yeah. Have, yeah, a lot of people have theories on things but can't really prove a lot of it. So we can look at the number 528, though, and the importance of the number 528 in relationship to the hertz. Um, when we look at the um, English mile, of course, this is just a multiple of 10. So 5,280 is the number of feet of an English mile. Um now, where does that come from? Well, there's a bunch of different places that we can actually find it. In fact, I'm going to interview a guy uh, tomorrow on my show um, that found this in the Great Pyramid of Giza in one of the ways. So, But we can actually find this embedded in the metrology of the Earth, um, the equatorial circumference of the Earth we can actually find is related to the English mile. So we take 360 degrees of a circle. We multiply it by the number of days in the solar year. We multiply that by a thousand and divide by five thousand two hundred eighty, and we get roughly, you know, twenty four thousand nine hundred twenty. So the equatorial circumference of the Earth is directly related to the English, English, well, foot and mile, five thousand two hundred eighty. Where do we get five twenty eight? Well, there's how many degrees in Scottish Rite Freemasonic ascension? Thirty two and thirty three, right? Correct. So adding one through thirty two, so one plus two plus three plus four, etc., to thirty two gives you the number five twenty eight. So we see that the number 32 is directly related to the number 528. Why else is this important? Because the pace, the human pace, is actually 5.28 feet. Wow. So so we can see that the Scottish Rite, that they were, you know, they're heralding this number 32, which, of course, transcends Freemasonry. We can see that Jesus Christ lived to 33 years. His name actually adds up to 32, etc., you know, we can see that once again, this is something that's inherent in the mathematics. So the, the the English mile and the human pace, and then the number of hertz of you know supposedly or whatever of zero point energy is all related to this one number thirty two, which is of course in English gematria is English Christ religion, you know gematria, you know et cetera, et cetera. We could go on to the number thirty two. So. Marty, this is fascinating. I, I have to have you back on to discuss further. Now I've, I've got about a minute and a half here, um, but. Uh, it, uh, in that 90 seconds, can you just give me an understanding of, uh, you know, the um, the significance of one's life number? I mean, do you subscribe to that? If you add up the, you know, the letters, the numbers relating to the letters in your name and so forth, you get a number. Is, is that um, is that important in your in your mind? Uh, yes, but you know, like I do name breakdowns on my on my site. 
So, um, where I'll actually look at somebody's name and then I'll do the, you know, the mathematical encoding with it. And then I'll explain what those numbers mean, at least how I've come to understand those numbers. So if once again, if somebody's name added to 32, I would just kind of, you know, expound on the number 32 and all the things we just talked about. The only, but when you look at the number and how it relates to your own life, the only person that can actually do any sort of investigation in that is you because you lived your life. You walked in your shoes. So you know, you know, synchronistically or whatever, or psychologically, how that, how a particular number might reflect, you know, how you might have a relationship to it. For instance, there was this guy trying to make this quick. Um, he contacted me and he said, Hey man, I've always been, you know, just drawn to the number 23 my entire life. It's just 23, 23. I just saw 23 everywhere. And his name was Michael and Michael adds up to 23. Now, if somebody went and told him that it was like, you know, the, he's the only person that's going to be able to make those correlations if you know what I'm saying. So I, I won't do a numerological reading on anybody else, but I will talk about what those numbers mean so that can help you in your own investigation. And, and Marty, what's your life number? Um, <laughs> well, I have a couple different names. So ah, okay. uh, I, it's actually something I go over in the book where I actually, because I have two pseudonyms that I use and then my, you know, of course, my Christian name or Catholic name or whatever the name that my parents gave me, I guess. So I actually look at the mathematics of all of those numbers and see how that relates. And it was when I first did it, because I'd given myself two pseudonyms, I didn't know any of this stuff. And then I went back and I looked at it and I was like, wow, a lot of amazing correlations. So Marty, this has been fascinating. I hope you'll come back again and share some more time with us. Uh, sure, I'd be happy to. MartyLeads33.com. Thanks for this. Uh, thanks to uh, Albert and Tim. Back next week with Dr. Douglas James Cottrell, candidate Edgar Casey, and Pastor Carl Gallops talking about the trumpet of days. Is this God's final warning? In the meantime, don't be afraid. There's nothing concealed that won't be revealed and nothing hidden that won't be made known. What you hear in the dark, speak in the light. What I say in a whisper, proclaim from the housetops. Move over, Aphrodite. I'm coming home. Good night. Thank you.